filled in my Tyrod Taylor quotes and uh, sent them to into my column and file a column. And uh, uh, I think this, and they know this, having a player like Tyrod, who played really well for six quarters, gives them a better chance to win. Now, do you want them to win four, five, three, four games, or do you want them to have a high draft choice as possible and make uh, February, March, and April so interesting? Players want to win. Coaches want to win. Everybody wants to win. And they're playing the, the Dolphins, who are one in seven, with seven consecutive losses. And this game's intriguing, not just because Tara Taylor's back, but because of all the uh, trade talks between the Dolphins and the Texans that fell apart in the end because Deshaun Watts did not reach settlements with uh, all of his accusers. So uh, I, I have not seen the stadium since it's been redone. I've been to the stadium a million times there. I used to go to the Orange Bowl. So I'm fired up about it. I love South Florida. Can't wait to get there. And I think the game's going to be a lot more fun. But I do feel bad for Davis Mills. The teams he started against were 30 and 17. And if Tyrod starts the rest of the season, there's only two teams on the schedule that have uh, winning records right now. That would be the Titans and the Chargers. Can you imagine the Texans being able to play the Titans without Derrick Henry, who has run over them like a steamroller on asphalt out here on 610, and they're not going to have to contend with him. And then the Chargers seem to be fading fast. I don't want to bring up the last three times, General, the Texans have faced Derrick Henry, but he's gone for over 200 <laughs> yards. I'm not going to bring that up. I'm not going to bring that up. Um, my hope is that Adrian Peterson does it, but that's – Week 11, even after a bye. So we can we can wait until then. General, in those six quarters that Tyrod did start, I mean, we do have to go back to September, which feels about like three or four years ago. What was it about Tyrod that you saw that makes you feel like, okay, this offense can, can get it cranked up? Because in six quarters of play, if you do the math, 51 points in six quarters, you're talking about 32, 33 points a game they would be averaging with Tyrod at quarterback. What was it about Tyrod being in the lineup that makes such a difference, you think? Well, as point out, in his two starts, he was 31 of 44. That's 70.5% for 416 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack. He averaged 9.45 yards per attempt. And he had a rating of 122.9. And almost as important, he ran five times for 55 yards and a touchdown. So having him in the lineup and his mobility, which causes problems for the defense, of course, but it also should help the running backs. We asked Rex Burkhead today what it means to a running game when you got a quarterback who can hurt a defense on the perimeter. And he said it means a lot. You know, they can't jam jam the middle, and uh, I'm sure he'll – you know, he's going to be like an uncaged lion out there because he's been itching to play the last two weeks. I thought he's going to play against the Rams, and I do feel bad for Davis Mills. Last two starts against two teams that are a combined 14-2. and two. I'm sure he'd love to play against the Dolphins, who have the worst defense in the NFL, and their running game – their running game is uh, 30th, and Texans are 31. So I think we're going to see a lot of passes being thrown 
by Tyrod Taylor and Tua Tungavailoa, and you know old Tua is going to be motivated because here comes the team that has the quarterback his team wanted, and you know he's going to want to show owner Stephen Ross, general manager Chris Greer, and coach Brian Flores, you kept the right guy. But that doesn't mean they're not going to go after Watson starting March 16th when the new league year begins. Oh, so much to uh, go over there. But I want, I want to stick with the draft here for a moment, General. And both of you guys, help me out with this. Give me a situation in the last 10, 15 years where having the number one pick has made a tremendous difference for the team that had a terrible record, of course, to get that number one pick. I can think of the Colts uh, when they went 2-14 in 2011. They got Andrew Luck, and that was a pretty instant success story for them as they went back to the playoffs the following year i thought they had a pretty good team in place though even though they were two and 14 they just didn't have the quarterback position down among a few other things i could think of the cardinals three wins and then they get kyler murray number one overall general do you have anything else and john too well first of all the cardinals went from from three and 13 under steve wilkes get the number one pick and they went five ten and one the first year and eight and eight the second year and so i don't think nick casario is going to reach for a quarterback. I believe right now Davis Mills could go into next season as the starter, give him another year to prove himself, and then fill in the holes around him because they're going to have multiple picks. If they had been able to trade Watson to Philadelphia, and the Eagles were really interested, but he exercises no trade, his veto power over his no trade clause. Right now the Eagles have three of the top nine picks. Now I'm not saying they would have traded all three this year for next year for him but they would have traded at least two. And so um, anytime you do that, you're, it's going to take time to turn a team around. Cardinals are 7-1, and one, but it's this is the third year of their rebuilding plan. So Texans fans are going to have to be very, very patient. And I wrote a thing, I think, yesterday looking at the quarterbacks who are not highly rated, who were going into the season, like Spencer Rattler and, and Sam Howe, and then in five who are with Malik Willis of Liberty and Matt Corral of Ole Miss, I believe they play Saturday. They do. Um, those are the two top rated right now, although that can change. This time last year, nobody's talking about Zach Wilson being worth the second overall pick. So, you know, guys know how these personnel people love them in all-star games, senior bowl practices, combine, private workouts, and pro day. So their quarterbacks could shoot up the chart. Maybe Nick Casario will say, I got to have that guy. But he also might say, there's nobody worth our pick. So we're going to trade down or we're going to take an impact position player. Mark, to your point, I think it's been more the second year. And the general had a couple of good examples there. He talked about Kyler Murray. The Cardinals went from whatever, three and 13 to year two, they were eight and eight. Joe Burrow, year two. The, the Bengals, well, they were the number one seed until Mike White got them and the Jets got them. Peyton Manning, 3-13, and 13, and then 13-3. and three. It's like the second year you've seen, other than Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck, you saw that pretty much immediate turnaround. I think that's the, really the only one you can think of. But I think it's year two where you start to see the real um, huge leap, if you will, in overall, no, number one pick overall impact. Uh, that that I can think of. I mean, Baker Baker Mayfield was pretty good, you know, when they got Baker in, in Cleveland in twenty eighteen. The twenty eighteen, I think it was. 
Yeah, because 2017 they stunk, and yeah. 2018 I think it was seven and nine. I mean, that was a pretty significant change uh, for Cleveland with the number one pick. But for the most part, I think it's been year two uh, that you have to look at. John, you made a, you made a comment about Davis Mills and talking about all these quarterbacks. And uh, I mean, look, the, the quarterbacks in college right now. I don't know if there's anybody that really kind of stands out. The quarterbacks that have been drafted, even Joe Burrow back in 2019, Joe Burrow was already making noise like way back at the end of September, beginning of October. You kind of knew if Joe Burrow comes out, like he's going to be worth something. You're not seeing that with this group. John, in your estimation, could there be or could you see a scenario where Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills both came back in 2022? Yeah, I don't know why if I'm Tyrod Taylor and I sign a one-year contract, why they'd have to pay me a lot of money to come back knowing they were going to play uh, Davis Mills because they had to see him in his second season. You know, this is terrible, but if they're bad long enough, they might have a chance to get Bryce Young at Alabama, who everybody thinks is the next big can't-miss prospect, but he's a freshman. And uh, so that'd be be two more years of being terrible. And uh, another thing we got to point out is you don't have to be the first overall pick Third round, Seattle, Russell Wilson, they went 11-5. and five. I don't know what the Cowboys went with Dak Prescott when he's a fourth-round pick as a rookie. I can't remember what they did in their second year. But it, it takes a minute. I have, I'm working on my mailbag for, to be posted on Texas Sports Nation tomorrow, and a guy pointed out how bad John Elway's statistics were when he finally got to play as a rookie. So he was saying you can't judge a rookie quarterback right now Davis Mills has been better. He has a better rating than everybody but Mac Jones. And he's certainly been better better than uh, uh, Zach Wilson, who's been terrible, and then he got hurt. And Trevor Lawrence, even though he's a can't-miss prospect, it should be great unless Jacksonville screws him up. And then Justin Fields hadn't let it up. So nobody can clearly say that, that Fields and Wilson and Trey Lance is not even playing are better than Davis Mills. Mills wasn't supposed to play. He got thrust into the lineup. People get so frustrated about the Texans not winning. And I say, you know what? If you, What we saw of Tyrod Taylor, okay, they, they obliterated the Jaguars, but it was 14-14 in Cleveland. And I was there. Cleveland's got a great defense, and that was a sellout crowd. And it was 14-14. Had Tyrod stayed in the lineup and stayed healthy, would they have pulled that game out? Could they have beaten Carolina? You know, I wouldn't think they would – they wouldn't have gotten blown out as bad as the games where they've been blown out. Could he have beaten New England? Maybe. He wouldn't have played better than Mills, who played great against the Patriots. But it's amazing when you lose your starting quarterback, how all of a sudden the coaches look stupid, and when that starting quarterback <laughs> plays, all of a sudden they look pretty smart again. Oh, my gosh. I feel that way when I'm coaching flag football if we don't have our full arsenal available. Uh, General, boy, a lot of thoughts here. Nick Casario had a press briefing this week and talked about the fact that they didn't trade Deshaun Watson. What is your level of surprise that a deal did not get done this week? Your thoughts? Well, I wrote two weeks ago they were hoping to have it done by the end of the week. If not, it would go right up to the trade deadline. And that's when Stephen Ross decided, nope, we're not doing this deal unless he has these lawsuits settled. And from my understanding, you know, Deshaun did not want it to settle. He thought it was an omission of guilt, and he dug in for the longest time. And I think it was about last Thursday or Friday 
when he decided to try. And by then, it was too late to get all 22 plaintiffs. And uh, Tony Busby represents the accusers. He told Mark Berman at Fox that it came down to non-disclosures agreements that they would not agree. Some of the women would not agree to them because they wanted to tell their story. And uh, we had a big story in Chronicle two days, days ago with Ashley Salise, one of the ones who's been at the forefront going back over everything, talking about how unhappy she was at the way the NFL had reacted and the way they interviewed her, how the league has not followed up with her. So this is not going to go away, but it still gives to, and they're not going to trade him on March 16th when the new league year begins. It would be somewhere close to the draft. First day of the draft is April 28th. And I think ultimately, if say Tua Tagovailoa plays really well from here on out and the Dolphins go, you know what? We didn't screw up that fifth overall pick last year. We're going with Tua. Sean's sorry. Then who does he approve? Giants have two extra picks that could walk away from Daniel Jones. I'm pretty sure he's not going to approve the Lions, who also have two extra picks. But you never know. You know who it who it could be. Maybe he changes his mind about the Eagles, but it's still going to be intriguing for another. How many months is March sixteenth? Yeah. I'm so happy. I after this, <laughs> I'm not going to have to talk about it after ten months of talking. Yeah, oh, it's been, you're going to be talking about it. <laughs> People are going to be, be asking you about off it. Season. It's going to be the off season story again. <laughs> Where does he go? Who's he going to approve? All that kind of stuff. It's going to show up again. I don't want to use general the term that Sean Pernagash used, although I think it's probably the, the perfect term because he called the trade deadline a popcorn bleep. And his point was we had all this talk about what was going to happen at the trade deadline, not even just the Deshaun thing, but there were going to be players moved and Odell Beckham was going to move and the Texans had three or four players that were going to move. And it felt like there were about two trades, one massive one we'll talk about in a little bit. But were you surprised that there really wasn't as much activity on the trade deadline or the fact that it really kind of followed what it has historically, that there weren't that many trades at all. I was stunned that the Texans didn't make more trades. And it didn't mean, obviously, they tried to trade Vernon Argraves. They didn't just cut him if they could have traded and gotten something for him. I wrote a thing today that's in my takeaways on the Texas Sports Nation. All their draft choices for the next three years, they have 27, and including nine in 2022 and 10 in 2023. And you know he'll acquire more and use some of those to move up. And uh, so um, I thought that, uh, let's see, Zach Cunningham might be traded because they got linebackers, but his contract got in the way. I thought Lonnie Johnson Jr. might have been traded. Don't know why he wasn't. And uh, let's see, I even thought – Jordan Aikens could be traded. I would have called Green Bay, which lost its tight end for the year, because Jordan's going to be 30 in April, and you know they're not going to extend him. But that comes into the compensatory pick picture. And the problem with compensatory picks, if you lose free agents, but you sign more, you're not going to get any compensatory picks. All I could think. And Justin Reed was another one. Justin's contract's up. They haven't, there haven't been any noise about trying to sign him to an extension. If he walks, they'll get a compensatory pick, hopefully, for him. So there was a lot of moving parts to these deals. I just I just thought they might make a couple more. Uh, somebody I was on with, I can't remember who it was. I think it was you guys 
You put the over under at three. Mm-hmm. Oh, John, you did it. Mark and I took I did. took under, but we I said if you'd done if you'd done two and a half, we would have gone over. Yeah. I would have lost that uh, bet. Last year they brought in over fifty players on the ninety. Over thirty players end up on the fifty three. Next year, John, free agents versus young players. So they have more draft choices, maybe more undrafted rookie free agents get a shot here and stick, but they're gonna have to do something similar in the free agent market unless they want to re sign a bunch of these guys, right? It's gonna be interesting to see how they construct this thing in the offseason. And do these guys want to come back knowing that they'll still be in a rebuilding process? So many guys sign one-year deals. Uh, They'll get younger, I think, because next year I've always thought, if you think they have at least one one and a high two for Watson in 2022, they're going to have a lot of picks. But as I've always told people, a roster is like a salad. You don't want too much green. And so they have to have that balance. And so I, I look forward to seeing how Casario does all that. I don't think for a minute he's going to spend big on free agency. Not at this point. Maybe in 2023, if they make progress next year, I'll you'll see him do that. But I don't see it. I think I think he'll do it judiciously, as he's done it this year. General, the one move that was made was by the Los Angeles Rams going out and getting Vaughn. Miller. Now, we had just seen the Rams. We saw Terrell Lewis. We saw Leonard Floyd alongside Aaron Donald. I thought it was fine. But they go out and they get Von Miller. What was your gut reaction to the Rams going out and doing that? I'll bet you the Cardinals hated that. They've lost J.J. Watt, and here come the Rams adding Von Miller. Now, Von Miller's not the player he used to be. He's been hurt a lot. But you know Aaron Donald's going to get doubled all the time. And the reason Leonard Floyd had two sacks is because he doesn't get doubled. And Von Miller there, he's not going to get double. If he does every once in a while, that'll be great for Floyd. And I thought they just beefed up that pass rush in the team and the fans should be happy. The Piper's going to have to be paid at some point, but most of those players will be gone. Fans have to be excited about them being all in. But, man, oh, man, they've traded away so many high draft choices. It reminds me of George Allen. <laughs> General, uh, tonight you have the Jets and the Colts getting together. So tell me what you think here because the Jets are coming off that nice win, Mike White playing quarterback. The Colts are coming off another game where Carson Wentz throws an inexplicable interception at short range. What do you think? Well, you think it's unusual to have a two-yard interception return for a touchdown (laughs) when a guy tries to throw a left-handed pass? And then he threw one in – in, in uh, overtime that set up the winning field goal by oh, yeah. Randy Bullock. And so Carson oh, Wentz. But the the one in San Francisco is inexplicable. I know they won that game with the shovel pass. Inexplicable. The, uh, he played really well up to that point, and he hadn't thrown but one interception, and he was terrible. And uh, so I think that uh, – uh, he's going to bounce back. I mean, he's people say he's playing like he played. Greg Doyle, top columnist in Indianapolis, said just sit him down. If you let him keep playing, you're going to have to put, give Philadelphia number one pick. If you sit him, then you give him a two and you keep your one, and it's obvious this team needs a one. So they're three and five. He'll be beating the Titans in overtime. Maybe, maybe they would be one game out of first place, and they're thinking about winning the division. 
But wouldn't it be interesting about the last four games? I think that's what they have it figured that if they're get, if they're not going to make the playoffs, do they do that? Do they sit him so they'll have a number one pick? And you don't see that happen very often. And it's too bad they can't sit him against the Texans. Well, it would be nice if they'd sat him sat him against the Texans, but boy, that's going to be an interesting one. Chris Ballard's got a decision on his hands. There's no doubt. In Tennessee, John, we talked about this Monday because the news of Derrick Henry's injury had popped up just after we talked to Brandon Cook. So we talked about it a little bit, but now there's a little bit more clarity. Seemingly, he's going to be out. Derrick Henry will eight weeks-ish is what they're saying. They got to get Adrian Peterson. We've talked a lot, the three of us, about how much Derrick Henry means to the Titans. Now that it's going to come to fruition, how do you think the Titans' offense responds without him, John? I think they'll throw the heck out of the ball. And the one thing about a defense, when Derrick Henry's in the backfield, especially the Texans' defense, and they go a play fake, you have to hesitate. You're not going to hesitate with with Adrian Peterson or the McNichols guy or anybody else they have. So it's going to be much more pressure on Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, if he can stay healthy and play and practice, they'll still have a prolific passing game, but you can just ignore the running game. If they run the ball, good. Then you don't have to worry about A.J. Brown, another guy that's just killed the Texans. All right, General, let's pick another game from this week that you may or may not like, but – I don't really like the matchup anymore without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers at the Chiefs, but we have to talk. We're contractually obligated to talk about Aaron Rodgers since we cover the NFL. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he should be suspended. If you're going to suspend Tom Brady for four games because the equipment people took some air out of the footballs, Rodgers has lied. The Packers knew it. The Packers have draft choices taken away, and Rodgers should be suspended at least four or five games and uh, because – we said this about any player not getting vaccinated. You can hurt yourself, your team, your fans, and your organization. And he has let down everyone, and the Packers knew about it. That's what's bad about it. Mm. I guess so he bad. wasn't immunized. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he was immunized. <laughs> yeah, you're right. John, who's the best team in the NFC? Buccaneers, Rams, Cowboys, Cardinals, and we'll take the Packers out with Aaron Rodgers because we don't know. Bucks, Rams, Cowboys, Cardinals, which team's the best in the NFC? Well, the Bucks may win a Super Bowl again, but they don't even deserve to be in that group. They just got pounded by the Saints with a backup quarterback. It's the Rams or the Cardinals. The, the Rams have strengthened themselves. The Cardinals are weaker. Right now, that team I saw Sunday, that's the best team that I've seen in the NFL. All right, General, what do you have going out of the Houston Chronicle for us? Right tomorrow about Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills and going and the Dolphins and all that. And uh, got we still have a lot of stories wrapping up the Astros season. Guys, thank you very much. I look wait, forward wait, to wait, seeing you. Wait, 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 hang on. Before yep. you go, let me give you my Correa take, okay? Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. All right, so if you're going to make 300 whatever million dollars, right, and if you really want to play here, I think I know that, you know, look, the owners are richer than you are, whatever. But when you're in the 300 million range, another 20 million is not going to make you one ounce happier over the course of your life. Now, 
I've never been in that situation, so I can't guarantee that. But that's my assessment. Play where you want to play. Play with whatever team you want to play with. You know, it's worth millions to make yourself happy. It's a big chunk of your life, maybe the most important part, the way you're looking at your life right now. So if it's here, if it's Detroit, play where you want to play. Forget the money. Not forget the money. You're going to make 300 whatever <laughs> wherever you go. How do you feel about that? He's not going to make $300 million a year. Jim Crane's never done anything like that. You know, he was hurt three years in a row, didn't get hurt this year. I hope they re-sign him. He's worth every penny they give him if they don't. I hope they go after Story or Seeger or Simeon or even Javi Baez because they've got every position solidified except shortstop. But uh, I think Brent Strom, their great pitching coach, is going to Detroit with A.J. Hinch, and it wouldn't surprise me if Correa went up there because I saw the Tigers' owner say he was ready to unlock the vault. And uh, I just don't want to see him with the Yankees or the Dodgers, or even the Rangers. Can you imagine 18 games oh, against Correa and no. the Rangers? Not good. Not good. All right, General, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. All right, coming up, John Harris and I play Who's Better? We do it every Thursday, just about. So we're going to do it next, and it includes running backs, classic and current. It includes coaches. It includes a whole bunch of stuff you're going to want to hear about here on Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline, so that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. Don't miss a moment of your Houston Texans 365 days a year. Download the Houston Texans mobile app. Oh, I like that promo with Atlantis Morissette and the irony song, Ironic. Which is yes. not real irony stuff. We've been through this many times. Every radio show in the history of the medium <laughs> since that album came out. You know who she is to me? The female Frampton. One unbelievably wow. great album. And then not so much. It's it's actually, I, it, I don't want to say it's a compliment, but there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with coming out with a classic album that has just, you know, virtually every song is a smash amazing song. Except the irony song gets picked on a lot. Frampton Comes Alive in the 70s at the time was the biggest selling album of all time. And it's since been replaced, of course, several times. But it was huge. And he made a whole life out of it. So there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Uh, uh, yeah, it's like one-hit wonder. John, all right, now let's let's transition into coaches because we're going to play who's better here. But a tip of the cap, since the Texans are playing the Dolphins, to Don Shula, who is the winningest coach in the history of this league. More wins than Bill Belichick. In fact, Johnny, Belichick has to go another four or five years yeah, in all likelihood, yeah. do you think he does that? Yeah, because what I, I, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound morose, but mm-hmm. I think you know if, when you've been in the game forever, it's all you've ever known. How do you how do you get out? Right. How do you get out? How do you? you, you well, you probably have thought about it. Oh, you know, I'll retire. I'll do this. I'll do that. But I mean, if you love the game. And you can still succeed in the game. 
stay. If you get right. to a point where you are, you're, um, you're a detriment for whatever reason, then then walk away. But I think Belichick is still. I mean, just watching his teams play, how they go about doing things. I thought so much about the end of that game against the Patriots. So much with the and, Texans. Yeah, our game with the with the Patriots yeah. week five. I've thought yeah. about that game, and I just at the end of that game, I just feel like. Belichick pressed all the right game buttons. He pulled he, you know the the, the yeah. second and one quarterback sneak with just uh, around two minutes was brilliant because he didn't want to score there because he knew if he he just wanted to get a first down he knew a quarterback sneak would get the first down but then they could run more plays and at that point run more time off the clock it was it was you know brilliant right. strategy he still all he needed was a field strategy. goal anyway yes. right yes yeah. he's a brilliant. Um, strategic coach still keep keep coaching coach i mean if he came to me not that he would but he came to me and said john what do you think i'm like look coach you can go to cape cod you can go hang on your boat you can play golf you'll be bored uh by february you'll want to know when the combine is you'll want to go to a pro day workout you'll want to go work out a guy at at the citadel he'll want to go back and do the things that he's always done it's always struck me yes bill belichick gets up to the podium and he doesn't love being with the media but there's no question he loves the game. So you know what? Stick around. Yep. Stay around the game. Do it. Yep. He's coaching Boy, with his son. I mean, it's awesome. We could have we could have talked to Nick for like 15 minutes about Shula alone this week. Oh probably. yeah. Probably. I mean, and you, they're both John Carroll alums. They have oh, that in common right. as well. That's right. Yeah. You uh, when you were in Miami, did you? I'm sure you talked to Shula before, right? Yep. I met him, and I, I got to tell you, he he was already done of that at that point, of course. But he was so great to me. Yes. And he said, yep, I've heard you. You sound great. I've listened to the games. You know, like he's just right there, you know, because yeah. the flagship of the Hurricanes was the same as the Dolphins, WQAM. And yeah, yeah. so I went to a lot of events and I met him. You know, I met a lot of those 72 guys. Jim Mandich, who played tight end on that team, worked at the station. Joe Rose, we had him on last night. Uh, you know, he played for Shula. I asked him what it was like to play for Shula. So, you know, it's just great to uh, to acknowledge that. And you talk about guys like Belichick and certain people might stay in it forever. Jimmy Johnson walked away, and he was okay with it. And he yeah. could have gotten another job in about 10 minutes had he really wanted to, right? But he's yeah. fine fishing and the keys and yeah. living his life that way. And I got to give him credit. He put together a tremendous defense. He was a good personnel man. They never could replace Marino. They were a playoff team when he coached and when Wanstead replaced him for the next couple of years and then they went down because the personnel, he, Jimmy wasn't there anymore, personnel goes down and then they're in this abyss where they've only made the playoffs twice since 2001. Think about that. Only two playoff appearances and no wins since 2000. In fact, the game I called on national radio in 01, it was them and the Ravens in Miami. They lost that one. They haven't won since. It's only yeah. two playoff appearances since then. So it's been a big dry spell in South Florida. Okay, let's play who's better. Okay. Johnny, coaches, current ones, and new guys in their jobs. Who's better? Arthur Smith, right now. Arthur Smith, better job, like better job so far. Or Rob Sala. Now, Rob is 2-5 and five rookie quarterback, right? Yeah. And Rob's two wins are pretty nice. Five losses, not so nice. Arthur Smith, 3-4, and four, a little shaky. Matt Ryan, boy, but Ryan's starting to make some throws that make you go, hmm. So what do you think here? I think, well, uh, Arthur Smith has won three times. The Falcons, I think they've both done a really nice job. I mean, the fact the Falcons started 0-3, 
And then they get on a board, they get a, get a W against the Giants. I think that was the first one where they win. Young Way Koo hits the game winner, and you're like, oh, you know, okay, they got to win, great. But then they, they kept playing better football, and I, I give them credit for that. But I think Sala, I mean, there's something about Sala. I just, I like both of them, actually. I heard both of them on, that, on the podcast we like, the Flying Coach podcast, and I loved yep. listening to both of them. I mean, we didn't really hear much from Arthur Smith, even when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. You know, but here's a guy who's the son of the owner of FedEx, the creator of FedEx. And yep. you never, ever knew that about him. I mean, you never, you never sensed it because he's just a, he's a ball coach. That's what he always yep. struck me as, the ball coach. When I heard that about him being the son of FedEx, I was like, what? Really? The guy worked up from being a, a quality control coach to tight ends to uh, quarterbacks maybe. And then, then he was the OC and, and did a great job. But my gut tells me Robert Sala. The win over the Bengals to me was the one that got me because that team was number that was the number one seed in the league. He doesn't have yep. his rookie Zach Wilson, and the backup Mike White throws for four hundred yards. And it was just I I watched the the locker room uh, speech afterwards, and you just got a sense that the team was two and five, but man, they enjoyed the heck out of that win. They enjoyed the yep. heck out of each other. You just it was a vibe that you got. I got as I was watching that Jets team in the locker room celebrate that win. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm going Sala, but just by a by a hair. Okay. Who's better? Better team, the Rams or anyone else the Texans have played so far? Anybody else the Texans have played? Arizona, Buffalo, pick a team, or the Rams? I think the Rams, boy. Buffalo is the one that gets me. I, I don't know. There's something about the Cardinals game that I wasn't – I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I was impressed with the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I mean, defensively are as athletic as all get out. But I don't think the offensive line for the Cardinals is very good. And I think it's going to come back to haunt them. I don't think the offensive line is great for the Bills, but it's better than the Cardinals. I think the Rams' offensive line, when everybody's healthy, when you throw Whitworth back in there, I mean, we didn't even see Whitworth. But when you throw Whitworth, combined with Stafford's ability to get the ball out, combined with McVay's play calling, I think the Rams are the toughest nut to crack. And I don't know that the Bills can run the ball like the Rams can. And defensively, I think the Bills are the better unit, but the Rams are so close that I think the Rams' offense puts it over the top. So I would say Rams 1, Bills 2, and then I'd go down a notch and a half before I get to the Cardinals. Bills number one in the league in defense and points and yards. Amazing. All right, who's better? Adrian Peterson, back in the league now, no longer is Mark Ingram the <laughs> leading active rusher in the NFL. Oh, yes, historically. Right. Oh, Adrian's man. back here. So Peterson is fifth all time. And let's see how many yards. He's about uh, 400 yards behind Barry Sanders. It's going to be tough, but you never know. Anyway, who's better, Adrian Peterson, for this situation? You can bring anybody out of their prime to play for the Titans. You're the Titans. You can even get Adrian in his prime because he's certainly not that anymore. Yeah. But you get Adrian in his prime or any of the guys in front of him for the Titans and what they do, Johnny. Barry Sanders, Frank Gore, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith. You taking any one of those four over Peterson? Because no. I think Peterson in his prime fits what they do yes. really well. No, you can you convinced me. You, uh, you said you said it exactly right. For what the Titans do, I absolutely think that Adrian Peterson's the right guy. 
Jim Brown would be right there. I don't know if you said Jim Brown. <laughs> no, I don't know if you said Jim Brown. He's not in front of him on the list because he's 11th all time in rushing oh, yards. Okay. But yeah. you're right. if you can get Jim Brown, take him. Yeah, yeah take Titans Jim Brown. with Jim Brown. Yeah. Oh, no. I just couldn't remember who <laughs> I couldn't remember who all was on the list. So that's why I said yeah. that. The other one I would say is Peyton, Walter Peyton. I think Walter Peyton, you know, I was watching the – actually, not when you were watching. I was just listening because I was driving, and I was listening to the 85 Bears 30 for 30. And that was a team full of just BAs, man, a bunch of bad dudes. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them, when they talked about Walter Payton, the reverence they showed oh, yeah. for him was oh, yeah. unbelievable. And that just makes me think that that dude was as tough as anybody that's ever played uh, this game. However, Adrian is 230 pounds. And ran a four four. They can hand it to that guy, and he would pound on defenses incessantly. I think Adrian Peterson is the Adrian Peterson's prime would be the absolute perfect fit. There would be a a, a slight drop off from Derrick Henry to Adrian Peterson. Okay, who's better? This is a what's better? Better throwback uniforms: Tampa Bay or the Patriots or Pick one. What's better? Better throwback uniform. Tampa Bay, the Patriots with Pat Patriot on the helmet. Tampa Bay with the popsicle, creamsicle look, whatever it's called. The orange-sicle. Or somebody else. This is the easiest one you've ever asked me. Easiest. It's the creamsicles. No yeah, doubt. So good. All day, every day. I wish they would bring them back. They are the most glorious throwback uniform of all time. And it's not... It's not close. Well, it not used to be the Chargers, Johnny, but the Chargers oh, brought well, them back yeah. and they wear them. Yeah, <laughs> true. I, the the chart, the '63 Chargers, those are those those are my favorite uniforms. But Bucko Bruce, bring I, man, can you imagine them winning the Super Bowl with those unis? Oh gosh, let's that that one. That's one of my favorite uniforms to bring back of all time so uh, bucko bruce now i like the old school patriot ones i when the patriots brought back in 09 and beat the titans 59 nothing oh that, well, that was, was awesome nice. that was awesome and any shot i can take at the titans uh for being lousy i'll take it well the but, titans were wearing an oiler uniform right an afl oiler uniform that night i believe serves them right sorry mm -hmm. dogs that said pat patriot and that uniform very nice like it yep bucko bruce all day every day Okay, next up, you're going to give me one of the keys to a victory Sunday for the Texans, a coveted, a precious win. Can they get it? Give me one of the things it's going to take, a little bit more on the Dolphins and what they're going through because it's kind of interesting. Let's get to it next on Texans Radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. The Houston Texans and Schlumberger are proud to present the Houston Texans Stats Challenge, a program that makes learning math fun for sixth graders using the game of football. Over the past six years, more than 800 teachers and 230,000 students across Texas have been impacted by the Stats Challenge. Help your local sixth grade class be the next to join them. Visit HoustonTexans.com for more details and go Texans! Going somewhere? The Texans mobile app. Don't leave home without it. Oh, 
know, do that. The app is fantastic. Great people working on that every day, sometimes all day and all night. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Johnny, Dolphins on Sunday. Tua, look, it's been a rocky road, and the road is just getting started, really. He was drafted last year, did not play the whole season. Fitzy helped them a lot. They won 10 games. He had a winning record as a starter last year. Tua did. This year, not so much. They're one and seven. He got hurt. He's been a bit better since the injury. They're going to freak out if they lose this game in South Florida, based on what I'm hearing there. And you know, I've been listening to South Florida Florida Sports Talk Radio this week a little bit. You know what they call Tyrod Taylor, the Dolphin Killer, when he was with the Bills, <laughs> the success he had against Miami. Oh. He's a Dolphin Killer. I no love way. it. Let's go. They're sweating out Tyrod Taylor. Let's rock. I love it. I, I absolutely love the Dolphin Killer. I know you're going to ask me about my key, and that, and that actually would be it. It's, it's not so much Tyrod, but you know, if the Dolphins are going to get pressure, the Dolphins' biggest, largest sack number is Emmanuel Ogbo at two and a half. I mean, John Goddard is seven. They don't get to the quarterback at all. I mean, Brady picked them apart. They just rushed four. Brady just picked them apart. So the Dolphins will bring the kitchen sink blitz. They're bringing everybody. And they'll play blitz zero. It's, it's blitz zero. They'll play zero coverage. No, no help in the middle of the field. It's man-to-man. And they're hoping, and they want, and they will design it such that one guy comes clean. And if that guy uh-huh. doesn't get to the quarterback fast enough, Tyrod's going to have an opportunity to beat them. But if that guy gets there, then it's going to be Sac City. So the Texans have to know how to handle blitz zero and be effective because they can pick up some explosives from it and hopefully – that's something they're able to do, but they're bringing everybody. When they show everybody, they bring everybody, and it's just zero behind it. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard just playing man, and you got to find the right matchup, and hopefully a guy gets open very quickly. Are you with me on this one? With the announcement of Taylor getting the start, being back, I just feel a buzz in the building, and this is nothing against Mills. I think Mills right. has talented. I think Mills does need to play. You do need to see Mills, but this team needs a lift right now, whoever it might be. And it happens to be Taylor, who, look, we kind of fell in love with him in the offseason. We knew he wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he was signed to be the elder statesman here, solid playmaker, has the respect of the locker room. Now he's back in the lineup, and I'm here for it, man. I'm excited about this one on Sunday. I'm just trying to take this one game unto itself, a bowl game in South Florida on Sunday. Let's see how they can do. I'm with you. Just, I think there's a, there's a, a level of calm – I mean, look, Davis is a pretty calm dude. I mean, I think Davis has learned a lot from Tyrod. I think Davis – I think there's going to be a time where Davis does get back on the field this year, and it's going to be a situation of, you know, what has he learned? What did he learn to step back? Now that he got some playing time and he stepped back, I, you know, John brought up a great point about, you know, what Davis had to face and what Tyrod is facing and the fact that he faced the Jags, the Browns, the Dolphins versus, you know – five or six of the best defenses in the league that Davis had to face. That said, Davis showed a lot for a rookie. And I think there will come a time where they're going to go back to him. But I think with Tyrod, you just feel comfortable. I think everybody feels comfortable. Everybody up front knows, okay, look, I, I have this block. I hold it for this long. Tyrod's going to make something happen. And everybody feels confident in that. So I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, you know, we saw some great things in those six quarters. I mean, 51 points over six quarters. I mean, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good number. You're averaging about 33 points per game. You put up 33, you got an opportunity to win that game on Sunday for sure. All right, 
l- let me know this. Are they going to run the football better on Sunday? Is this going to happen? Are we finally going to see a return of the running game? Maybe not exactly what they got against Jacksonville, but something more like that rather than a lot of the games we've been seeing. Well, we talked many, many times with Bill O'Brien, and how often would he tell us, hey, you know, look, Deshaun's going to get 40. He's going to get 40 of our total. So if you take your total, and I think it's the same with Tyrod, you add 35 to 40 of the total. So I'd like to think they could get to, you know, the backs could get to 75, 80. That gets you to 120, 125. I mean, I think you got to feel pretty good about that. But, look, you better block number 94. Christian Wilkins is as good as it gets in this league. And if the guys on the interior aren't getting any movement on him, he'll eat things alive. He'll completely eat it alive. So they've got to make sure they occupy number 94. I think he's a massive key on the Dolphins' defense. And they got to occupy him. And if they can do that, I think they'll be able to run the ball. But you know as well as I do, Mark, they're with Tyrod in particular. And I'm not just talking about Tyrod running it. There are just different ways you can run the ball, as I put my air quotes up, There are different ways to run the ball when you have a guy like Tyrod. Different things you can do. Push passes, jet sweeps, um, just different things you can do. Options. Things you may not do with Davis that you could do with Tyrod can help open some things up. And honestly, sometimes running an option play where you don't have to block somebody, that's a great way to do it. So I'm curious to see what they do on Sunday and looking forward to it. Uh, Me too. Do they get to Tua? Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, this is a line with a rookie at left tackle with two second-year guys at left guard and right guard. The center is either Austin Ryder, who's kind of a cast-off from Kansas City, or Greg Mance, somebody that this group has all seen before. And the other alignment is Jesse Davis at a right tackle, and he's probably the best guy they got. The other four guys are, I don't want to say questionable, but – and they really haven't gotten to that level of play. So I think they absolutely will get to two, and no doubt. Wow. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with both these teams. But the Texans are at the beginning of something, and the Dolphins are in a, in a time in this Flores administration with Greer as the GM where they can't afford to be playing like this, and they are, and it's a rough go. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Johnny, I know you got tomorrow. It's a big show. It's going to be fun. We'll have Coach Cully on. Get ready for the big football weekend and cherish these football weekends. Look, I know it's not a good record right now for the Texans, but, man, in the offseason, I'm just dying for some football. So enjoy all the games, and especially Sunday at noon, live right here and on the Bull 100.3 FM. Thank you, Tyler Milner, for producing. Stay tuned because it's Thursday Night Football with the Colts and Jets. J-E-T-E-S. Go Jets tonight because they're playing Indy. Johnny, have a great night. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, the new Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan. So make sure you... Jim. (laughs) Jim. We're on the air. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen? Well, can I have a sip? (laughs) Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first. 